All right, bradcooney.com, and I'd like to welcome to the show folk and blues recording artist Royce DeZorzi. What is up, Royce? Hey, Brad. Good to speak with you. Thanks for having me on. Oh, pleasure's all mine. I appreciate you joining me. Um, before we get into this really terrific single, Denver, um, tell my listeners a little bit about you and how was it and when was it you first got into making music? Well, I really always default to telling people about my brother because he's the reason that I started playing guitar. My older brother, mm. he passed away, and I inherited oh. his guitar. He had only been playing for a couple years when he passed. Yeah. He was 24 years old. but he um, And he had started playing late as a late teen, which I admired tremendously because he just had a will to pick it up, and he figured it out. He started to sound amazing. And, um, you know, after he passed, I inherited his instrument, so... I did not feel confident playing it as much as I secretly loved the guitar. And it, when my brother and I were together, he tried to show me a lot of things that never quite clicked. And I struggled to understand musical instruments, you know, at about 18 years old. So when he passed, I got his guitar. I took it over to a friend of both of ours who played my band with him and tried to sell it to him. And instead of taking it, he sat me down and showed me some chords and something just kind of made sense. You know? mm. So from there, I was hooked and just started playing all the time. I moved to Colorado and started learning on my brother's guitar. Really interesting that sometimes sometimes it takes a third person. You know, it's kind of like parenting. Sometimes when a parent struggles with a, one of their own kids and then the uncle comes in or the aunt comes in and just says something to that child and makes something click. Um, That's right. It's kind of the same comparison maybe with your with um, your brother and then your friend. He just kind of maybe presented it at a different angle and a light bulb went off for you. I'm just kind of guessing here. No, Uh, you're absolutely right. It was like a one-two punch and, you know, jointly between the two of them, mm -hmm. I felt not only inspired but found the confidence. And I realized just from my background, excuse me, my background growing up the way I did, you know, I didn't grow up around many musicians and my friends Nobody's really seemed to understand music, so to learn how to play even simple things on a guitar was just incredible, you know? Mm-hmm. And to see that um, confidence develop for myself, you know? Mm. That's, it took quite a while, especially starting to play later, um, around 18. You know, you go out in the world and you have to work different jobs and stuff and, and play in your free time and try and learn, you know, how to keep up with everyone which, you know, can be really daunting if you're struggling to learn the language. So it's a, it's a testament to confidence, you know, to look at the way sometimes it takes people around you to get you into something. You know, I'm just grateful that I was given that space. Yeah, for sure. I've, I've been playing guitar for about 35 years. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm nowhere near as good as you. Um, I, wish, I, I wish I would have played more consistently over the year because I'm one of those people that puts it down and then I'll, it'll sit there for a year then I'll pick it up and then put it down and pick it up. Um, I wish I would have played more consistently and I also really kick myself for not taking some more interest in like music theory and and learning most of, most of my guitar playing is self-taught. Uh, my mother was a brilliant musician. She played an accordion like I like, you know, I tried recording for about five minutes and I put it back down. They're not, I'm not, I'll never do this. Um, but I have bad habits because of 
self-taught. You know, I, there's, I, 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 sometimes my chords, I, my fingers aren't the right fingers, but it works for me. But a music teacher would be cringing if they saw some of how I do things. So with you, when I heard the song Denver, I was like, yo, this guy, this guy's really good. Um, Thank you so much. So how much music theory and actually and like reading and writing music do you do? Or, you, or do you play by ear? I'm so glad you asked because I, you know, when I first started learning, one of the ways that I figured would make the most sense, I was working on farms, living in Colorado, mm -hmm. just picking when I could. And I started to gravitate towards this finger picking stuff. Like, I think I was off of work in an evening and I was just looking up music and I heard John Fahey's Sunflower River Blues. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah, it was just such a beautiful record. Yeah. I had never heard anything like that before with so much space, but so active. Mm -hmm. And I thought, oh my gosh, just within the guitar, you could do that, you know? And as far as Fahey's concerned, I don't really know his background, uh, you know, as far as reading and writing and just teaching himself, but I figured it didn't matter. I could just hear, you know, there's something in there that you can pick up. And uh, I started going to different music schools in the region, which was just Western, Southwestern Colorado. So really small towns, um, Gunnison and Alamosa and Grand Junction. And I applied to the music school in Alamosa and just studied really hard to get uh, through the entrance exam, you know, mm -hmm. really by my, my, the skin of my whatever, my teeth or whatever, you know. So I made it into the school and started studying there, uh, which gave me a leg up to start to get a grasp on theory, yeah. uh, which was really a last-ditch effort because, you know, just having to go out in the world not having a career path. And I, I didn't know when I started playing that music school was something that existed in college, you know, that you could take music theory classes. Right. And like that. So when given the opportunity, or when I found the opportunity, I just went all for it and, you know, spent quite a bit of time in Alamosa and Grand Junction studying privately and at the colleges there. Yeah, I, I have encouraged people to do that. Um, I, now, I did take a music theory class in community college, um, yeah. and I passed it, but forgot most of it after I left, you know, because I just never really got back into it. I never, I never really dialed into what I was taught and it kind of faded away over the years. And I just, you know, I pick up my guitar and just wing stuff, you know, and it's really a lazy, it's a really lazy on my part. I really regret not, not going down the same path you did and just really get in there. Cause I'm guessing like, since you've learned music theory, it opened up a whole different world, didn't it? As far as musically. Well, I guess what I really wanted to say as far as that's concerned is I think really all that happened for me is I nothing will shake my confidence because I know the academic side of it uh, well enough yeah. to know, you know, that I can be free with myself, you know? Mm -hmm. And I don't know, just learning scales and stuff. I spent a lot of time uh, privately with a teacher, Bill Cristino, who's just a wonderful guy and a really good friend of mine. And he we, we would spend so much time together just studying jazz tunes because... He was just uh, kind enough to invest that into me. So oh, wow. I think a little muscle memory of scales and the way that chords move together, mm -hmm. that sticks with you in a way that's really useful. But at the same time, I don't think there's anything better than sitting down and winging it. And I don't like to, to write or read a note of music. And as much as I try to make myself, I think of a lot of guys that I really respect who made a point of realizing that that wasn't important. And just getting away from the score, getting away from the music stand, and just getting into your your space. You know, I yeah. think about John Fahey again as an example, and all the classic 
uh, blues and folk guys and the, the finger style guitar, self-taught guitar players mostly, you know, and just guys with hell of an ear. And I, so this guy, Phil, that I would study with, the big guy he would always talk about was Wes Montgomery. And for two reasons that Wes was such a big deal was his vocabulary with no understanding of music theory, <laughs> his ability to just play all the changes and to do it all with his thumb. And wow. he just had a hell of a year. And according to what I've read and heard, he didn't really know, you know, he would mm -hmm. sit down and, you know, if asked how he would play changes to tunes, he just didn't know. And I think so, those are some of the coolest guys, you know, yeah. the older jazz guys who learn to play by ear. Yeah. And Bill, you know, who I keep bringing up, he had impressed that into me so much that, you know, him growing up in Cleveland in the, in starting to play in the sixties, that he would go to these jam sessions where everybody's just playing by ear, you know, and there's a lot of jazz, jazz standards happening, but a lot of guys who couldn't read music and they were playing bebop. So if that's how far you can take it, I think that's so cool, you know, yeah. I don't think there's anything better or anything more natural than sitting down and just playing straight out of your ear, straight out of your heart. Cause there's a lot of guys who can regurgitate from paper, but they're missing the core you know, being able to play from their heart. Yeah. And I think if you can choose one over the other, I mean, I only have so much time in a day and I'm not really quite as apt to reading music as I wanted to be, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think that's fine, you know? And for people who are that way, I encourage that. I think that's the coolest thing you can do is just play from your heart and not from your paper. Yeah, I'm glad you said that. Um, and I, and I agree. And I think I read somewhere, I don't know if this is true or not, but I read Stevie Ray Vaughan plays by ear. I heard he doesn't read a lick of music when he was alive. Huh. I'll research that, but I read that a few times from uh, different sources, so that'd be interesting. And I don't think B.B. King, who's a great little, well, I say little, he's a big man who's alive, um, but I don't think B.B. King knew how to read and write music either. And that yeah, makes would make sense to what you're saying, because he was from the Mississippi Delta and uh, very poor growing up, so I wouldn't be surprised if he couldn't afford when he was first learning to, to, to learn, you know, go to music classes and things like that to learn, mm -hmm. um, he could sure play by feel, <laughs> you know? Absolutely. All right. So let's talk about your song, Denver. It's, it's a beautiful instrumental. Um, and, and I believe it's, is, is it the self-titled, is it, is it your record going to be called Denver too, or is it dropped yet? Yep. That's right. The album is called Denver and that's the title track from it. Yeah, so let's talk about that. It's two minutes and 25 seconds, and it really sent me on a nice journey when I read it, I read it listened to it. Um, I listened to it like three or four times, in fact. So tell me about the song, a little bit about the backstory. What inspired you to write it? Right on. Well, thanks for asking. And I'm really glad that you dug it. Yeah. Was, um, I sat down with my brother's guitar, which that's the only song that I played that guitar on the record and that guitar is pretty beat up mm. and it's not a very expensive guitar. So I just sat down with it, you know, late at night after I had been done recording for a day cause I started to put this album together. And really the way I've been recording is just sit down, you know, play out things. And if there's something I like, I'll go back and work it out and play it again. But I record everything in one take. And I was fortunate enough to sit down and just improvised the whole tune. And it was as if, you know, it just came straight out of the guitar. It was, it was special to wow. me, you know, to have that recorded. And it was just improvised. I, you know, I still have to go back and learn it so I can play it at shows and stuff. 
That's cool. So that's just something that you have. You, so when you play that song live, you have before you do that, you got to go back and make sure you relearn it like, because it's something that was never put on paper. Yep, I'll have to go relearn it because it just came straight out. Oh, I love um, that. No, I was just tired, man. I just sat down and I was playing my guitar that I usually play on recordings, and I just had a feeling like, oh, I'm gonna pick up my brother's guitar, you know, and I just played it, you know. It just came yeah. right through, so I was blessed with that song. That's awesome. That's really cool. I'll do the same thing when I'm playing. I'll just, I'll just start like, I'll just start making stuff up, and oh, yeah. probably forget it how I did it like like a week later and I have to like man matter of fact I did actually write a song one time and I really liked it and I put my guitar down and decided to pick it back up about two months later and and I freaking forgot like that uh-huh. song that I loved <laughs> and it took me like an hour to like like for it to click in my head again you know what I mean yep. and, then I, and then I got back uh-huh. to it <laughs> yeah, I did the same thing. I, I was so lucky to get this thing recorded, you know. And yeah, that's the best when you can just get those ideas recorded yeah. and then go back and work them out, get them all ironed out, and yeah, you know, get the ideas out that are straight from your heart, you know. Exactly. You know, one of my struggles with guitar playing is my hands, and I'm a pretty big guy, but my hands are like smaller than they should be for my body frame. I have yeah. small hands, and my fingers are like they're they're short. Right. Um, and I see, like for example, I have a coworker that her son, he's like sixteen now, and he has like praying mantis looking fingers. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's got like a nine fret reach. You know, some some crazy reach with his fingers. And I and I sat and I watched him play a Metallica song. Like her 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 mom, who's my coworker, she said, "Hey, hey, check out what he's learning." And he, he was sitting there, he was just jamming this Metallica song, and I watched his hands, and I was like, Donna, look how freaking huge his hands are. Look at his fingers. I mean, this is why he's going to be a, like a shredder if he stays with it. So I struggle with that, because like you were mentioning scales earlier, I'll never be a lead guitarist where like, I can rip out solos, because I just don't have the reach for it. I just don't. I can finger pick, and I can strum and play your, you know, your power chords and things like that. But as far as like being a shredder, like and being able to hit those crazy long scales, I just struggle with that because my fingers are so small. Oh yeah, I feel that. Yeah, building that. Even you know, if you got longer fingers, building that reach too takes so much time because yeah. there's so many guitar players who, you know, they don't struggle with it because, like you said, they just have much longer fingers. Yep. Exactly. Um, are you going to shoot a video for this song for this instrumental, or are you going to not not do that? Oh, there's actually a video out already. Beautiful. Is it an yeah, instrumental or is it actually is it actual? Oh, I'm sorry. Is it an instrumental? Of, uh, like just just is there any? Well, actually, there's no. Of course not. There's no lyrics to it. I almost asked you if it was just a lyrical one. <laughs> no, there's no lyrics. It's just <laughs> right. A, exactly. A nature video shot in Colorado uh, with with some live shots of the uh, the playing done just in some beautiful settings out in Colorado. Yeah. Now, have you made your trek to Nashville yet? When I'm reading about you, you, you hadn't done it yet within, when I, as far as what I read. No, I haven't. I'm actually still in Denver, and I'm, uh, you know, really in no rush to leave. I've got a lease that runs out at the end of the year, so I'm taking my time and getting prepared to uh, boogie on down there. So I'm guessing the plan when you get to Nashville is to pursue this all in, right? Your music career? You look a little... Absolutely. 
Yeah. Um, Nashville, have you been there before? No, I've actually never been, and I really just picked to move there because I figured it'd be a good fit for what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Yep, there's going to be um, when you. I've been to Nashville a few times, and I have some friends who are who are musicians that's lived in Nashville before. And um, first thing you need to know, you probably already know it, but when you get to Nashville, you're just going to have to just understand that that um, you're going to be in a city that's just jam packed with people just like you um, that are there, and, and everybody's trying to. Uh, Get to the next step, you know. Some do, but you just understand that. Don't get frustrated. Um, you have the talent just by listening to you. I can tell you got that part. You know what I mean? It's just, it's just. There's so many people in Nashville that are trying, trying to get to that next step, man. So you just go in there with the right mindset, and just remember that when you want to take a day off or or, or like or just get lazy, there's somebody else that ain't. That, that's that's not going to take that lazy, and, and you know what you know what I'm saying. I'm just trying to give you some advice. Yeah, you're right. yeah. Um, Nashville is a great town, um, and it's filled with brilliant musicians. My friend Skylar Lane, she was a finalist on American Idol some years back, and she's a local here oh. where I live. And um, she went up to Nashville, and um, she, she ended up having to work. You know, she waitressed in a bar. Mm-hmm. Um, and she sang the circuit up there for quite a while. And she ended up coming back. Although she got married and had babies, so they kind of like put her on a different path. But Nashville is the place to go, though. I mean, if you're looking to take your career to the next step, there it is. That's the place. Well, thanks for saying that because you're absolutely right. And I saw a little bit of that when I was in Los Angeles for a short time. And just the extra pressure of keeping your head above water can really crush a lot of people's ability yeah. to make it with what they're doing. And that's part of why I only lived there for six months before I decided to come back to Denver for a while because it offered me a place to hunker down and record, you know, mm-hmm. and have some space, which, I mean, a lot of people can do that in L.A., but if you're just struggling, you know, to make the rent every month to live in a shoebox, you know, mm-hmm. you're going to be uh, having less time and less opportunities to hone your craft. And in a pond that's, uh, like you said, just jam-packed. So yeah. I'm prepared to see where things go when I move to Nashville, really just in the hopes that I meet the right people there. And yeah. I'm sure I will. You know, if it's meant to be, it's meant to be. Well, that's a biggie, though. It's really big to to get connected with the right people. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. Also, another way, another thing to look at is when you get to Nashville, there's other ways you can make money also as a songwriter. I mean, if you're interested in writing songs for other people, that there's a market for that up there. Because there's a lot of um, like country singers and performers that have record deals already, but they don't have time, so they actually look for songwriters to actually pay. Hey, write me a you know, write me this, write me that, something that, that you know fits this and that. So that's just a, something to look into when you get there, where you can make that maybe some extra income writing for other people and while pursuing your own career. Mm, absolutely. Well, it seems like a lot of people in Nashville have really made their careers over the years. I mean, in and outside of country-related music. Yeah. Doing just that, you know, holding it down as a songwriter, which is an incredible skill. Man, yeah, it is. It is. Do you have a preference with um, between acoustic and electric guitar? You know, that's something I've struggled with over the years. There was a time where the acoustic barely got played for several years, you yeah. know, probably about five years almost. 
where it just didn't really get much attention because the styles that I knew I wanted to play relied on electric guitar uh-huh. with band stuff. But more and more, I start to realize the orchestral possibilities of the acoustic guitar and different ways of modifying the guitar that open up more possibilities. So I've just been obsessed with acoustics. And as far as recording, since I record my own music, it's been much easier to focus on just one mic into a preamp, into the mixer, and so on, you know, instead of having to deal with recording a whole band and the complications that come with structuring a whole band around the music properly, especially since, like we talked about, I don't really write. The the thing that I do is set up environments, you mm-hmm. know, so with acoustic music, that's so simple to do because you just get in a mood and play the mood. And with the band, you got to communicate that mood to everybody else, which can really just be a mess a lot of times. So I'm appreciating the platform to play solo. And I realize it's a, uh, a skill that I kept on the back burner for a long time. And you know how it is. I mean, sometimes if you have a talent that um, is very natural to you, you don't think about it and you don't really invest in it. So for me, that was the case for quite a while until I started to find my niche more so mm-hmm. with the acoustic music and realize that it's okay just to play instrumental just with your fingers and play the bass with your thumb, you know, mm-hmm. and just get into it. And when you do that, there's so many ways to go past the fahey kind of stuff. Right. So I'm excited for it. There's, I, I see years and years of albums and possibilities, just things I want to explore and lay out on record. Yep. Now, when you were doing the electric, uh, electric guitar more, you had two, what, two LPs? I'm looking through your notes here. New Freedom Movement and Visions? Was that 2020? That's right. And then, so then, so once, so now you're on to this, this, this new acoustic journey, right? Is that, is that fair to say? Like you put that down for a minute, the electric, and now you're going after absolutely. this solo thing. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's, that's, uh, good stuff, man. That's definitely, definitely, uh, songwriting's an option too, man. I'm telling you, like, you're going to get out to Nashville and you're going to be looking for places to gig. Uh, do you have a management at all? Anybody who's like, like helping you when you get out there? No, not yet. Okay. Yeah, definitely. You got my, this is my cell phone you call for this uh, podcast. Lock me in your phone and let okay. me get with Skylar. Skylar's a good friend of mine. She's not doing music anymore because she has babies and kids, but she was a terrific singer, country singer. You can find her on, if you, if you, if you, uh, YouTube search Skylar Lane, you'll see her because she sang on stage with Reba McIntyre. Um, oh wow! Yeah, she actually got up. Reba got up on stage with her, and then they sang together on on, on American cool. Idol. Um, but I can see if Skylar can can uh, send me some names of some credible, good you know, reference type people that maybe you can contact when you get out there. Um, right on! I really appreciate that. Thank yeah, you, man. All right, a couple more things, and I'll let you go. Let's see, let me go back to my notes here. So these are a couple cool little fun questions I wanted to ask you. Um, before I get to these, though, is there any other, anything else you want to talk about as far as your, your latest project? I know we talked about the single Denver. Is there any other singles you're going to drop off of that? Nope, uh-uh, there's okay. no more singles. I just put the album out on September 1st, and uh, I'm actually working on a Christmas record. Oh, nice. Putting some Christmas tunes out. Awesome, man. And then before we wrap up, I'll let you uh, tell the people out there where they can 
where they can get your music and follow you and all that stuff. But I got a couple of cool questions here. These are fun ones. Uh, one of them is a, a, I have to be honest, I stole this question from somebody. Um, well, I didn't quite steal it. I actually, whenever I do podcasts, sometimes I go to my social media and I'll say, hey, I'm talking to such and such tonight. Anybody have any questions for him? So this, uh, this lady hit me up one time. This is like three or four years ago. And she asked this really cool question. And it was, I love it. I love this question. So you ready? Here it comes. Yeah. I'm going to give you two options. You can only pick one. Okay, so what do you prefer more? Do you prefer creating a song or performing the song once it's created? Oh, performing the song once it's created because, like we've talked about, just in, in the ways of playing freely, performance is the creation. And the creation is the performance, and it's a continuous breath of life. That's probably the, that was probably the quickest anybody answered that and probably the most interesting answer so far. There's no right or wrong to that question. Some people like creating better, but that was awesome. I love how you answered that. Um, of course. Um, who are some of your musical inspirations? Hmm. I always default to saying the same people who are just foundational and informative to me. Al Green, Barry White, Marvin Gaye, Gladys Knight, those are people my mother played around the house uh-huh. and people that I started to get into that I could go on about for many reasons for a very long time. Bob Marley. Oh, yeah. Jimmy Hendrix, Grant Green, James Brown, and again, Barry White. And I would have to mention John Fahey, honorary yeah. mention, because he, he was very free and very, he was very high level. Yeah, you like you like some R and B stuff. Oh, of course, man, and that that's like the, uh, I think the eventual direction, and that was what I pursued for a while, but it didn't. Um, you know, things gravitated towards the acoustic, but one eventual direction that I'll pursue, at least as a side project, is more R and B related music, especially just in- instrumentals. Kind of, I think of Love Unlimited Orchestra, Barry yeah. White's, you know, orchestra. It was incredible, man. I never heard anything like that. But Barry White's music, with his compositions with that and the way he just drives it on the piano, that's some of the funkiest, breathing, living, written music and arranged music that that I could reference. You know what I mean? That yeah. is so alive, but it's written. That's, and that's so beautiful to me. Because I, I want to achieve that kind of effect unwritten. Yeah. It's just that people locked in to something that's still very snaky yeah. and grows over time, but is rooted in... Man, I think about Bob Marley and Jamaican music. It's like so much of what hits you is the same three notes, you know, just the Deborah yeah. Amis. It's notes, so true. You know? Reggae music it's is like the easiest. On. And that some people complain about that. And I had a, a jazz friend who I took lessons from for a while who I really admire. But one thing I could never get past that he said was, you know, I like a lot of music besides reggae music because it just doesn't have enough harmonically going on. Well, that's a jazz. That, 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 that's your prototypical jazz musician, though. Exactly. They're, they're so, like, techie. They're so technical. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not everybody wants to be like Stanley Jordan, yeah. you know? <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> they all do. And I just thought, you know, it feels so good. You know, and Bob Marley, he was transcendent. And yeah. so was Jimmy Hendrix. So was James Brown. So was Grant Green. And they were all vamp players, you know? Right. They really knew how to sink in to something without moving too damn much. And I really appreciate that. 
really it's really true how how it doesn't take complicated songwriting to really move people. Exactly. It doesn't. It doesn't. I, mean, I mean, the thing about music I love, like every culture on the earth for as far back as mankind goes, there hasn't, there's not one culture anywhere across the globe that didn't have music. It's mm. like, it's like, an, it's just like a, it's a, it's like, it's like a global medicine. You know, music lifts people up, man. It's like, it's, it, music save literally saved people's lives. Mm-hmm. Takes people out of depression, you know, when their people are just just down and out of life. Go to a show, listen to. Or you don't have to go to a concert. You can just put it on the, on, the, on your radio, and it can just lift you. You know, it's just a it's like a universal. I, I call it a universal medicine. Absolutely, and I'm glad you mentioned that because there's a lot of possibilities. I think just subtly with in, with acoustic instruments, you know, for healing frequencies. Oh yeah, you know, and there's a lot done there. I think I think we're facing. I see a lot of people that, you know, on Instagram with connecting mushrooms to synthesizers and you hear the way the mushroom reacts. That, to me, is an example of the way that life influences music. Yeah. And that, how the frequencies and the specifics that we can learn from the patterns of living things yeah. can influence that, like you said, universal medicine. You know, yeah. our language to participate in the universal medicine. And the, the celestial harmony that's all around us, you know. Yeah, you know, I had Brad Arnold on my show, and he's the lead singer of a rock band called Three Doors Down, very successful band. Oh wow! Um, yeah, they, they, they of course, Kryptonite was their big hit. Um, mm. But Brad was telling me about when, because when, I asked him one time, I said, "Man, how's it feel getting on this stage in a stadium playing in front of sixty thousand people?" You know, and he told me that you know what, I get more scared playing in a bar in front of twenty than I do in a stadium <laughs> with sixty thousand. And I was like, well, why is that? Is it because like you you just feel like you're up there naked, you know, in, in a bar, like and and, and, and like with sixty thousand people, you're not look, really looking at any one person, eye to eye. It's just you're just looking out over the mass, you know. So I just don't have that that nervousness that I do in, in front of smaller crowds. But what he was telling me about, about music, he's like, when I play on stage, he's like that music is therapy. It's two way therapy. He said. He said. The music that I write, my band writes, when we play it, we have fans that paid money to come see us. These fans come from all walks of life, religions, genders, um, but they're all there for the same purpose because they want to get lifted up in music. They want to feel good. So when our music does that, and when I'm singing and I see people singing the lyrics of the songs that we write and the smiles, but that goes two ways because we are human beings too. And we all have trials and tribulations that we go through and stresses and things. So when we see that energy from the crowd, they're distributing that medicine back to us. And it's a two-way street. It's a two-way street. He said that's what's beautiful about that connection. Absolutely. That's a great way to put it is two-way therapy. Yeah, for sure. All right, man. I'm looking here. I think we're about out of wrap for this uh, interview. Um, I really enjoyed talking to you, man. Um, it's a lot of fun, and you're extremely talented. And Thank you so much. Sky's the limit for you, man. When you get to Nashville, you got my number, like I said, um, and you can shoot me a text or whatever, and I can hook you up with some people that I know out there, and and that's been through that 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 circuit before. Um, so tell everybody out there where they can get Denver the record, and where the people can follow you on social media if you have a website. Right on. I always like to point people to Bandcamp. 
for downloading and purchasing the music and Spotify, Apple Music, all the streaming platforms. As far as socials go, I'm usually most active on Instagram with updates about what's going on. So as I move back into the South, I'm planning some shows. Next spring especially, planning to hit it hard with quite a few shows. There it is, folks. Well, Royce, it's a pleasure talking to you. When you got some new stuff you want to talk about, just get a hold of us and we'll get you back on the show. Brad, thank you so much for having me on. It was really a pleasure talking with you. I appreciate all your encouragement, support, and it was just a, it was a great pleasure. My, mine too, brother. Take care. We'll talk soon. You as well. Thank you.